This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we review the 1992 Steven Seagal action flick Under Siege. Plus, big Disney CEO shocker, live action Spider-Man spinoff shows coming to Amazon. Indiana Jones fights Nazis again. How big will Avatar 2 open and more all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, November 21st, 2022. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Why? I don't know. Check. Check one. All right. This is Roy Fans out there. Let's give it up. Hello, what's up, listener? Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name is Rugboy. He's the Rugboy. And he's the nerd. Yes, we are without a jock this episode. It's going to be me and Rugs flying by the seat of our pants. You got no Tony Baloney here. No today. Tony Baloney, but you know what? I have a soundboard. I stick it up my asshole. So unfortunately, ah. I could do that to him. But you know, I fucking loved it. He will always no. Look, he was uh, the, the 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 jock needs to rest. He was on a, a fun trip. Yeah, uh, so he, I think he just flew in. He literally just got off the plane. I'm like, uh, you could sit this one out, dude. Yes, it's freezing here in Chicago. Meanwhile, he's on a beach somewhere. But isn't that like the way it should be? You know, Absolutely, like, because we hide under the bridges, and then he gets to have all the fun. Yes, I. Everyone knows I love live vicariously through Anthony. I don't need to do anything. I just have him do it, and then I'll look at his Instagram stories, yeah, and ask some questions. That's good enough. That's, That's what awesome. the show yeah. all is. That's really is good. About. <laughs> oh, and it, and still I can't get a word in it. <laughs> See, uh, all right, well, yeah. That's what this show is all about. Tony being cool and you being around. <laughs> and me being me. That's our dynamic, and we're sticking with it. In the meantime, though, sure. This look, rugs. Today we got a couple of fun things in the news and a fun '90s action movie to review. Sure, let's do it. The Jock, the Jock and Ned Podcast. Well, boy, we got to start with big shocker at over at Disney. Rug boy. Two in the pink, one in the sting. That's uh, yeah. not the shocker, but it all, oh. that's almost what happened to Disney, I guess. No, that doesn't make any sense. It happened to JPEG. He got yes. the shocker. Plot twist. As Look, we record on Monday. Late last night, Sunday night, the news breaks that Bob JPEG, Disney CEO, is out. Oh, shit. And returning is Bob Iger, effective immediately. Wow. I love a good Bob swap. They swap Bob's uh, two years ago when uh, Chapek got the job in 2020, and now they've swapped him back. Uh, I think this is going to make a lot of people happy. Do you know? Uh, what do you think? Because Chapek came from the parks side of Disney, and uh, a lot of people weren't happy how he's handling well, the parks. I, yeah, like uh, the COVID d- didn't do anything good for the parks. No, so that, that was yes. a shit show. Yeah. And COVID ruined a lot of stuff. Uh, you'd expect that Disney's online stuff, like the app, would be big, but it wasn't. Like, uh, 
I think they lost money on the app, right? Yeah, like, but they got like they made they got like two hundred fifty three million subscribers now across all their things, so it was growing, right? But not to the level of the investors would would like. Yes, so uh, they're like, oh, they're getting skittish. They got to do something. They got to bring someone in to solve this problem. So they called Bob. Bob, can you take over for Bob immediately? Yes, Bob. Yes, <laughs> Bob's Bob's. Uh, look, so JPEG right out the bat. You know, everybody loved Iger. We'll talk about what he did. Everybody knows Bob Iger. Chapek had a couple of missteps, a couple of issues uh, in his short, not even three years. Apparently, they just renewed his contract for like two years in June and then just decided to fire him. It's crazy. And then uh, Iger's only coming back for two years. Yeah, I think he signed a two-year deal. So it's kind of an interim thing, but... I think he's going to get a big like bonus and stuff. And everybody loves Bob Iger. That's the thing. Bob Chapek, not great with the creative, not great with the talent. Something Bob Iger was very good at pushing the creative and having good relationships with your talent. Case in point, remember, they put Black Widow out on streaming and the theater. And then ScarJo had to file a lawsuit because, you know, her contract was like supposed to get uh, uh, compensation or something. Remember all that? Yeah, yeah. And then he called her greedy and kind of didn't handle it well. So, and then mostly Wall Street, the, the Wall Street and the things. I not heard that there was going to be a bunch of layoffs at Disney, too. Well, they, that's what Chapek's plan was going to be, was going to be a hiring freeze and some layoffs. So that's not happening now? I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, Bob Iger is back. Everything will be better. Don't worry. You really think that this is going to make a big difference? Uh, in some people's pocketbooks, maybe I don't know about so, creatively. I think the people working on the things are are going to be happy. Also, I think overall they lost money, uh, one point something billion. What was the yeah? The they, number? Yeah, I think they they posted a higher than normal loss for the quarter. I think you're right. So what does Bob Iger? <laughs> I just called him Biger. What does Bob Iger do to like turn the ship around? Like, wh- what is it? I guess. Focusing more on the content and just creating good content. Is that it? I was like, that sounds like a very fluffy dream there. Well, what did he do? Like he, you know, does he in his career, he bought them Lucasfilm and Marvel. There's nothing left to buy. And uh, Pixar. Yes, there's really nothing left to buy. You're not getting Spider-Man. That's not happening. Well, we'll talk about that. That's the other crazy news. But JPEG did get uh, control of things at a crazy shit time, right? Yeah, uh, I feel like this is just a public thing that they have to do to show that Disney is reacting to the situation so the investors don't get like crazy and be like, fuck Disney and sell all their shit. I mean, from what I can read, a lot of people didn't. Bob Chapek rubbed them the wrong way and they were not happy with the way things were and the kind of restructuring and it was going, it was getting more corporate and away from like focusing on the creative. It's never bad to focus on the creative. I'll come back to that. Oh, absolutely. That's what you lead with. Because if you don't have a solid product, then you, what are you, you're just selling people smoke. And if you're like a Bob Chapek guy who's like, he was there to cut corners and save the money, you're not going to try any risky things with IP. But I feel like Bob Iger was always open to that. But again, he was in charge of Disney at their most fucking bountiful time, right? They're making right. billions of dollars, and all of a sudden, this kind of convenient. He's like, I'm going to step out before this, uh, before it goes bad. <laughs> I hope it works out. Uh, to me, Disney is um, is kind of 
just going through the motions now. And uh, they have all of these this machinery in play. Like they have this this online machine now that you, the app and all this stuff that you can do with Disney. And they've created this whole thing that's that didn't exist a couple of years ago. And so if they they're just going to kind of like like they've been doing crank shows out for content and uh, overwork the staff in, in the effects. And then, you know, it's not going to, none of that's going to change. I don't think they got to feed the beast. Yeah. They're, they're a bloated entertainment empire who rules parts of my life. But <laughs> man, they, I mean, it's a lot, you know, we can talk about MCU Facebook, like they're putting out maybe too many things, but I don't want to complain because I love the genre. I feel like it's lost a little bit of something, but listen, give Bob Iger two years. You will bring the glory back. What was the last Bob Iger project? Because you're talking so much shit about Bob Iger. Like, I mean, uh, now you're gonna make me look it up. Uh, the what was the last? Was it was it Infinity War? And then he stepped out. Well, he left entirely into retirement 2021. So it's been less. I would than say a year. Black Widow was his last thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, how much? Could, yeah. I just think people are happier. He has better relationship with people. You want someone that people. He probably like. has the hookup. He has the hookup. He has the he has the uh, the instinct of like what people want to see. He when he calls people, well, they're going to answer. Yeah, so he can I get to certain people. Things. He knows that much. I think it's a positive thing. I think uh, Bob <laughs> Bob Chapek just got a shit run at it. But hey, if you're going to go back to the Bobs. Bob Iger is the man. Listener, let us know what you think. Yeah, he's clearly the winner. Of he's the, the he is the better Bobs. You can let us know what you think. You could join the conversation. Join our Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. There's a link in the description. It is closed, exclusive, just for you, just for us. Lots of fun stuff in there. Okay, well, let's go on to the other crazy news. You kind of alluded to it. Uh, Amazon has made a deal with Sony to do live action spider-man spin-off shows but without actual spider-man oh, i believe uh the first series under the deal will be silk spider society which is going to be developed by walking dead showrunner angela king along with lord and miller who gave us spider-man into the spider-verse they're going to be showrunners and executive producers uh but they have as you know if you don't know Sony has rights to 900 Spider-Man characters in their own right. thing called the Spider-Man universe, Sony's universe of Spider-Man characters, except for Spider-Man. I have so many questions about this, Rugs. reaction. They're really uh, positioning themselves so Disney doesn't want to fuck with them. That's basically what's happening. This is my first question. Why does Sony make a deal with Amazon? And not Disney, who you would think it's this is kind of like a fuck you. You know, Sony doesn't have a streaming service. They're still kind of freelancing out there. They're still wanted. They're selling their stuff, licensing it to whoever they can get it to. That's interesting. So what kind of a move is this to like, fuck you, Disney? You have Tom Holland. Yes, we also have share him, but we're going to go up again because we think about it. They'll be able to make edgier shows. It's not going to be a Disneyfied version of Silk or these other characters. Who knows what they're doing? I don't think they care about what they make. I just think about they don't want to have to deal with with Disney taking like the lion's share of money or paying Disney and or or whatever, whatever it is that they're doing with Disney. I think they have to pay the studio 
like to make the movie. I thought they, it was the, it would be the other way around though. Wouldn't like did Amazon offer Sony more money? To probably you know, Amazon's got tons of money, and uh, they have something that Disney doesn't have: is people ordering like fucking milk off of fucking Amazon. Like you know, people are ordering everything: their underwear, their socks, fucking thumbtacks, like everything, medicine, like whatever, everything off Amazon. I mean, I'm kind of excited for a live action Spider-Man universe, even though it's Sony and there's no Spider-Man. Let's talk about Silk. You know, remember Silk? I know uh, this character created by your favorite Spider-Man writer. Dan Slott. And Humberto Ramos uh, on art. It is, who is, uh, is Describe Silk. Who is Silk? Well, Silk was, uh, I guess, uh, a clone of Spider-Man or something where they use Spider-Man's powers and created this girl like using i don't know and they're does she have the same powers as him no, she got bit by the same spider that's it she's korean yeah. american she's not a clone she was just a korean american little girl who happened to be there and the same spider after biting peter goes and bites her apparently yes that's what it is when you ask me about dan slot creating things like usually the first thing that goes pops in my mind is some kind of clone yeah so like that's why i said that but then it took me a second for like oh no that's not a clone it's she got bitten by the same spider that Peter got Correct. bitten by, and they're linked through that spider, and they want to fuck each other for some reason. Well, they did have um, this strange sexual attraction. Yes, that was kind of yeah. funny. But she was yes. locked away in a box. That's right. For, like, a long time, and then she escaped. <laughs> yes. yes. That's why we haven't seen her for 20 years. Yeah. And uh, then she finally catches up with Peter. And so she's her own distinct spider person. So, see, that's kind of when I think about, like, the character of Silk and her just, like, web swinging around, but it's on an Amazon TV show with the kind of a nice budget. Like, that could be cool. Do you think they could nail this? Do you think, will any of the Spider-Men be involved? What And which one shows up on a streaming service first? Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield? Uh, could it? Well, then you ask a lot of questions. Um, <sighs> that was a lot. I'm sorry. All right. So, could it be cool? Anything could be cool if you make it right. Um, it, it not being it being tied to Spider-Man does cripple it a little bit but I think that they can go more adult with it they could kind of do but they're not going to they're going to make it like it's going to be like if, if they make it like a She-Hulk type show then no one's watching that shit it's got to be a balls to the wall action show that's what it should be that's what people want they want like a good uh, action show with a desirable, attractive lead that's like a like a star, you know that will, will someone know. charismatic, yes, yeah. Like you need somebody who's you know who's who's new and and fresh and and going to like do the things like go and train and learn how to fight and be the best. Like like Tom Holland, like he he went and he tried his best to be Spider Man, and he it, it it comes through. Yeah, he's doing all the jumping and flipping around, some of it. Yeah, you can't just put some, like, person in there and just, you know, and be like, yeah, that's our star, and they're not going to do anything to really, like, there's so many, like, martial artists and so many people that can do crazy shit that are undiscovered that we can put in this role. They're, I don't know what they're going to do, but can it be cool? Yes. Will it be cool? I don't know. I don't, that's a tough one. They have to do it right. Because it being tied to Spider-Man, you can't do too much with it because it didn't, you're gonna be able not be able to like it's like having Daredevil and then bringing Daredevil into Marvel. That's like that was like a risky move. 
Yeah. And yeah. they had to change a lot and it didn't quite match up. So if they want to like port these over to Spider-Man movies later, it's going to be a, a strange because Spider-Man exists in a different in the, in the Marvel world where it's very different. That's my c- confusion. And I think the overall confusion is I don't know what universe, what thing is in Sony's universe. If it now includes the Venom movies and Morbius, but it, does it also include obviously the Tobey Maguire movies? It includes the Andrew Garfield movies. Is this all still in canon? Is this the universe this show is set in? If so, could they introduce a live action Miles Morales? I was like trying to think who there are some cool characters that maybe a TV show would be cool, but without a Spider-Man, it's kind of pointless. So I think Cindy Moon is your best bet for making her her own thing. And it being Spider-Man without having it need to be I anything don't know like why they, Parker. I don't know why they just don't do 2099. That would be and amazing. It, do that live because action. Because it's a different Spider-Man. Yeah. It's not Peter Parker. It's a, it's yeah. a different Spider-Man. It's a different, totally different, like you, almost a different universe. You don't have to worry about any old characters or any canon. It's happening in a different place. Could do a sick like cyberpunk live action fucking Spider-Man show. How cool would that be? I would love it. I mean... 2099 is still far ways away, right? So, yeah, it's far lot, enough to change. Yeah. Uh, also, rumors that uh, this is not confirmed, but I was reading things that Tom Holland is signed on for six more Spider-Man movies. Um, so I don't think he's going anywhere. But man, he's uh, that's going to be a big part of his life. If this is true, do we ever see him on a streaming show? Rugs, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Probably not. Never. I mean, anything could happen, but. Mm. I, I don't know. I find, that, I find that Marvel's going to figure out a way to cock block it. I would love to see him in the Daredevil show or something like he needs. That would be great. But yeah, they they uh, they I think they've been the ones holding back him and getting into any of the Sony movies, obviously. But you need a Spider-Man. So then maybe just maybe Andrew Garfield is your Spider-Man on the Sony side of things. And he's the main Spider-Man. Would that be too confusing? Yeah, I don't think Marvel will let that happen. I think be too Miles Morales, they let happen because it was a cartoon, but not a live action. Okay. I don't know what it is. Because, like, why wouldn't they have come out with a Miles Morales movie already? Right. At this point. Because everybody loved Into the Spider-Verse. And that was how many years ago? They could have greenlit a Miles Morales film. We would be making it right now if they could. If they didn't have some kind of, like, stipulation by Marvel or... Worried that Marvel was going to start stepping on their cock. But the character does, I mean, good in animation. I, I, I mean, it didn't make the most money, but it was one got Oscar nominations. They're working on a second one that looks amazing. Right. So they had every reason to make a live action. They like, okay, we can open this up to a different, because there's people who just don't want to watch cartoons. That's a good point. That's a good so, point. So uh, you could now spread, they're always talking about market share, right? So yeah. there's a market. Yeah, anyways, I'm excited for more. Look, more Spider-Man. Geek Anything coming is fine. We'll see how, what it happens. Going to Amazon is a shocker. Ballsy move by Amazon, by Sony. Go up against Disney. I'd like to see some edgy shit. I think they can make it look, edgy. I, at the end of the day, I don't care who makes it as long as it's somewhat true to the material and it's very entertaining and I don't have to like groan every time I'm watching it because... Whatever. I just want to see fucking action. I want to see fucking entertainment. I want to be entertained by good writing and all that stuff. Good performances. That's what I care about. So, 
Well, speaking of good, entertaining action and writing, let's move on to the next thing. I got a little bit of Indiana Jones 5 news. Rugs, you interested? Does anybody care? No. Does anybody care? 5 still coming out soon? I Dude. mean, it's hard to get excited. Like For me, like Indiana Jones was something I liked, but when they came out with that Crystal Skull one and he was old and I was like, okay, this is the last one. Like, you can't do another that one. That one was not great. The first three are fun. That one right. was, okay. But I'm like, okay, you can't get, hopefully don't do anything more because it'll just be worse. Like, there's no way. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they could really. Yeah, they could have killed it because there. the whole thing's predicated on like Indiana Jones, like doing all, getting in all these situations where he's got to do stuff. And you got Harrison Ford, who's, He's 80 years old or something. I don't know. How well, old is this so guy? here's the thing in this new, he is old. He's very old. He's probably up there. So look it up. Uh, but it is sticking to the timeline. So you know how the, the first movie started in the thirties, late thirties, this Indiana Jones five will be taking place in 1969. Right. With the space race going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Americans trying to beat the Russians and there will be Nazis. The moon landing program is being run by a bunch of ex-Nazis. So he will be fighting Nazis again. He hates Nazis. However, though, I also heard there's going to be a flashback in the beginning. And they will be de-aging him for a flashback bit Okay, uh, in the movie. So we see a little de-age. But sticking to the timeline makes sense. At his age, but the they're going to do the thing where they the girl becomes a new Indiana Jones. Well, see, I don't know. I didn't hear anything about a passing of the torch. Oh, it's going to happen. That's the trend. That's what's going to happen. You think so? Because we haven't got a trailer or any, anything, which is weird. Uh, I heard that the girl from Fleabag is going to be the new Indiana Jones. Oh, she's already like, she's already like in her 40s. Phoebe Waller-Cates. <laughs> I thought uh, she played a good guy or a bad guy. I'm kind of excited for this. It's James Mangold. Yeah. He makes good movies. There was a uh, rumors out that the, there was a screening and everybody said it was garbage. And then James Mangold is like, no, it hasn't screened yet. So that's not true. He's got a good track record. Well, yeah, of course. But I think that when you have something that's kind of already limping, how are you going to really, like, I don't know. I just feel like that. I hate to be negative. I want it to be good, but I just don't see how it's going to be great. I mean, this is kind of, this is the last movie. He's going to be Indiana Jones. So like, I wouldn't mind like a send off of the character. Do they kill him at the end of this? Or do they just let him sail off? Uh, You know, he's definitely not doing another one. I don't know. It's just a strange thing to me. These are weird movies when you're, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, should I, you know, I somehow, I don't know why I'm excited for Indiana Jones movie in 2022, uh, but I am. So I'm looking. What, what's the, what, what is the great thing about Indiana Jones for you exactly? Well, I guess if you look back, it's the character and the adventure and the swagger and the, 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 you know, the action. Yeah, it's like, the, it's just Spielberg is Spielberg isms. You know? Yes. The it's like, he knows how to make a movie that it's a crowd pleaser. Thrilling. Yeah. He knows how to create a character that's endearing and uh, he knows how to kind of have these great adventures with like some history woven in. And, you know, I learned a lot from those movies. I don't know if any of it was true, but I, mean, I mm-hmm. like, oh, I found it very interesting. The stuff that it was brought up, even the Crystal Skull stuff was a little bit interesting and you look into it and there's something to it. But um, so there's there is that and that's kind of cool. But 
What you're telling me about Nazis in the space race, I don't see it, but yeah. I'm I might be ignorant. Maybe I don't know enough, but I, I I haven't been curious enough to look anything up. So I'm just already like shitting on it before I even Sure. No, and I and I get that and I hope that it's going to be good, but I hope it's good. I really do. I hope it's good too. Uh Rugs, let's move on to another old franchise that's trying to come back and be a thing. Did you know today, Monday, November 21st, is uh Avatar Day? Oh shit. Disney has declared today Avatar Day because they have that power to just declare whatever day they want. Yeah, okay. Uh, and apparently they're putting a new final trailer out during Monday Night Football that is happening right now. Another trailer. An- yes, another trailer. So I was going to check real quick uh, and see if there's an Avatar trailer out. In the meantime, the uh, analysts are predicting this movie isn't going to get too crazy like the first one because of the way the box office is. It's currently on track to open somewhere between 135 million to 175 million, which is still a lot of money to open to. Right. And I don't think it's going to open big. I think that it's all going to weigh on the sleeper factor. It's like if the word of mouth on this movie is good, and people are coming out of it going, oh, shit, this is something that you have to see. I think that it'll just, instead of dropping off 60% or whatever, it might you know only drop off 40 or or, or 50 and carry the next couple weeks in a high spot. So if that happens, they're going to make money, but not on the opening day, I don't think. I think that people are still skeptical. They don't know, you know if it's even worth checking out yet. I think that's and that's kind of what happened to the first movie. I don't think it opened crazy. I think it was like under a hundred million, and even this projection of like one seventy five at the top is still less than Doctor Strange made one hundred eighty seven million. It doesn't have uh, the cachet year. right now. It just does. I mean, even though uh, if you throw the trailer on and it's beautiful and it looks great and looks like wow, like this shit is all made in the computer and it looks fantastic. I don't know if that's enough to get like everybody to the theater. Um, and a lot of the people who watched Avatar, they're like oh, one and done with it. It's like people like me who love James Cameron. I'm going to see anything he wa- he makes regardless. And I'm going to always want to watch it as soon as it comes out on a big screen. Cause that's the best way to enjoy a James Cameron film. So uh, if you're like me and you're a Cameron guy, you're there, but I don't know. I feel like it's going to have a sleep. If it if it's good, it's going to have sleeper legs. It needs to have legs. I don't think it's going to break like two point nine billion. That first movie, almost three billion dollars, like the highest fucking grossing movie. No, I mean, if if it if it makes a billion dollars, I'll be surprised. Uh, it's weird because tickets. I don't think tickets are on sale yet, or maybe they're going on sale tonight, which is why they're doing this trailer release. I don't see a new trailer, but that last trailer. Really got me. The first trailer, I was like, oh, it's Avatar. The second trailer, for some reason, I was like, oh, my God, look at this. Look at all, all this stuff he's made up. Uh, it looked kind of gorgeous. So, yeah, watching it in 3D. But I think it's going to have slow legs. It's going to be word of mouth. Just like you if said. If it's good. I don't know if it's good yet. I just know it looks good. It's just, uh, you know, what story is it going to be derivative of this time? <laughs> you want to try and make a prediction? Yes. So the last one was what? Was it Sacagawea? Was it uh, a little dances with wolves, a little fern gully, Pocahontas? That's what everybody says. 
So this one's going to be. Well, it's, um, it's another classic fairy tale that pits. Two. I think it's going to be two cultures that are clashing, but they're, they're the same. Yeah. And they have to team up type thing. So I don't know if it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to say 300. Go ahead. Okay. It's going to be like. They're gonna, there's going to be hot gates. Yeah. <laughs> Topless Navi shining, glistening in oil. Yeah. So you, uh, Okay. I can't think of what it's going to be derivative of, but I'm sure we can. We'll be able to pick it apart. Uh, but okay. I mean, and it's like civil. It'll be a civil war thing, something like. <laughs> it's coming out December, mid December, so it'll have a good run through Christmas. People, you know, they're going to go. They're going to bring their family, hopefully. Uh, and uh, it's uh, yeah, Cameron doesn't disappoint for the most part. Right. Listener, check out our T Public shop if you want to pick up some Jock and Nerd swag. Visit jockandnerd.com slash shop. And uh, you can adorn yourself. Get a hoodie. It's getting cold out. The Jock and Nerd logo. Uh, lots of fun stuff over there. Okay. And then the last thing, Rugs, we have to end the news with a little bit of sad news. And this is why I wish Anthony was here because if you are a kid from the 90s, uh, you've lost another icon from your youth. Last week, it was Kevin Conroy. The voice of Batman this week, Jason David Frank uh, passes away at a young age of 49. He famously, of course, played the Green Ranger on the Power Rangers uh, and TMZ reporting. It's a apparent suicide, which is even more fucked up. Tragic. Mm. Uh, Now, Ruggs, I was a little bit old for the Power Rangers, but we did review the first Power Rangers movie way back in episode 280. Oh yeah, I remember that. Ninjetti. Yes, and Anthony had a ball, and I was like, I don't I don't get this completely, but uh the what can you tell us about Jason David Frank? He played the Green, the Green Ranger. The Green Ranger for 123 episodes. Yeah, the Green Ranger, like he was uh he's kind of like they had the established like yeah. they had the established five that create the robot, you know. And then this dude comes out of left field. He's got his own robot. What do they call him? Mechs? What do they call him? Megazords? He's got his own Megazord that looks kind of like a dinosaur. And it kicks ass. And then you can make the Super Megazord. And he has a little sword that he can play like a flute. That's the best and part. Was, I remember that. And he was like always the character that was like, you you, you didn't know where he stood. And he was kind of like the, uh, the wild card. He could be bad. He could be good. He does all that shit. And then he ended up establishing himself very well and then um he was in a bunch of stuff like he was always ready to go he was always like willing to be in like fan stuff like fan films and he was even in that valiant movie that was that they never put out oh that's right he played did he play was it ninja he, he was bloodshot oh, no, he was bloodshot in that movie that's right yeah and you know similar to kevin conroy the guy who was always at um i see you know you'd see him at uh conventions and appearances and always friendly with the fans everybody loved him uh, he yeah he did a lot of TV and just another like. If, so did it say why he did it or or what he how he did it or is it uh no it just TMZ just has uh the result of suicide. I just would wonder if it was like drug related or uh if it was like some kind of like asphyxiation thing or whatever. I don't know. People do weird shit. They do. It's you know it's sad that uh this dude like uh, he. He gave us something that we all can remember and part of our childhood. It's sad that uh, this is how it ended. 
Yeah, another another '90s icon for so man. The '90s kids, they're growing up. Were you a, were you a Power Ranger? You weren't. You were too no, old for so Power the, Rangers. He was on we're the same age. So what's the? Yeah, look, the, he was on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from '93 to '96. This was the years I was in college, so oh, yeah. I was not into. I was not paying so attention to Power Rangers. I would okay. I curiously checked out Power Rangers because it was a Japanese show, Super right? Sentai. Right. But they, I went to check it out, and I'm like, oh, they took all the Japanese people and put out, put some Americans in there, and they were like the worst actors, and uh, it was very jarring when they cut to the Rangers. But it was ingenious of Saban to do this because they had masks on, so you can tell who they were, and then they just fucking did their They're in the fight double. But the thing about the Power Rangers is it gets very formulaic really quickly, and it's just like, like literally. Every show is the exact same show all the time. I think they started to switch it up a little bit uh, now, but like for a while, like they designed it for kids and kids like they, they're not kid shows are usually not episodic where they, they, their story arcs. I mean, there's their story arcs or things like that. They just kind of have like a villain of the day and then they kill them and that's it. Boom. Done. Like there's no like overarching story. There's no narrative. So, um, it was kind of like, okay, I seen this one 50 times already. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to watch it. So after I saw like maybe like five or six of them, I was like, I would only just like punch in to see what the new cast looked like and the new Megazords looked like. And then I would like leave and not watch it all. So I was just there at a curiosity standpoint. Um, I mean, a hugely popular brand, obviously. And, it, you know, you get the, the energy, like live action cartoon. It is fun. Yeah. But yeah. It, it is fun, but after you've watched like ten of them, you've seen them all. You pretty much have seen everything. Just like watching Ultraman, it's the same shit. It's like you know they do the same thing every time, and it'd be nice to like have some overarching story where like things progress and things change and blah blah blah. And I think they do do that. Someone's going to comment and like you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I'm just saying at that time it would seem like that's what it seemed like to me. But uh, I'm I'm glad uh, that uh, we can remember him through his work. He was a professionally trained, I guess, MMA fighter too. Who knew? Yeah, he was legit. He could do the moves. He could do the ninjetti. If you so, uh, I'll drink one to you later, yeah. Mister Frank. Rest in peace, to da- Jason David Frank. We will take a break here and play some promos and come back and talk about a '90s action movie right after this. After these messages. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Aisla. And together we are the hosts of the Bicurian Podcast. Bicurian is our answer to the polarizing culture we live in. Tired of feeling under siege and looking for ways to get involved? Then come be a part of a different way of thinking. Everything from politics to geek culture to current events that polarize us as a society. We explore multiple ways of looking at things. Please check us out at Bicurian.com and follow us on your favorite social media platform of choice. Transmission commencing. This is Wookie Radio. Translated for the Wookie Affair. I like that Wookie. Your hosts, Ken, Derek, and Mike, bring you the latest news and commentary from the far reaches of the galaxy. Uh, hold it. Hold it. I said hold it. Subscribe today on iTunes and Stitcher. I just assumed it's a Wookiee. Start listening today and remember the Force will be with you always. Dark, Dark. Enter. 
Listener, if you enjoy the show, sign up for our fan club. You can give back. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jockandnerd! And uh, you will be helping us out. It would be greatly appreciated. Thank you to all our uh, existing patrons. When you sign up, there's a exclusive podcast feed where the shows come out early and there's bonus content. And Anthony did a piece of bonus content for us this week. Rugs, did you notice? Did you see? No. He up there right now, just for our Patreon subscribers, he did a, a phase four MCU retrospective. Oh, where he went down. I got to listen to that. Yeah, it was pretty good. It's good. To, it's a good. Listen, went down every property and gave it a grade and looked at the phase four as a whole. We will. I think we can do something like that on the show, too. I want to get more in depth with certain things, but that's there. Bonus content available right now. And you get discord benefits. We're good. Rugs. We're doing a discord this week. You're going to be there, right? I hope I remember. <laughs> I will send is you a message. Is it the day before Thanksgiving? It's Thanksgiving Eve, the day the show posts. Oh my so. god! Look, I have no idea what something might come up, Imran. But like, I'll try and be there. Well, sure. I know it's not the most ideal time. If you can make it, great rugs. But we have one every month, so sign up and you can join us for. Uh, what time is one. it at? It is at eight p.m. Central Time. So it. I'll be at nine o'clock. How am I not going to be too drunk to do this? Oh, that, that's um. even better. That's what that's what I want. Anyways, lots of fun stuff. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't have to be good. I just to talk to people. Like, you want to see drunk rugs? You sign up for the Patreon. Join us. Yeah, on I'll, I'll, I'll get fucked up. The there. Discord. It's lots of fun. Jockinair.com slash Patreon. All right, let's get to this week's review. We are uh, continuing on our 90s action theme as we get ready to do our 90s action tournament. Hopefully next month now. I know it keeps right. sliding back. But we will we will do it. I can't wait. And this week we're going to take a look at another one. We're going to take a look at 1992's Under Siege. Here's your spoiler alerts. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. Oh man, of course the St- Steven Seagal classic Under Siege. Uh this sitting at Rotten Tomatoes is actually at a 79%. Rugs. Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty high. 6.2 out of 10 average rating, 62% uh, for the audience side. This Under Siege was made for a budget of $35 million. Mm-hmm. And it makes, uh, but finishes at $156 million worldwide. Not bad. And you're not even counting the DVD sales or, or VHS sales. Yeah, this is just box office for the year. It was one of the top box office earners. I think it was in the top 10 for the year of 92. Big hit. Wow. Uh, the movie directed by Andrew Davis, uh, who had directed Seagal previously and follows this movie with The Fugitive. This movie, I think, got him. Oh, wow. Yeah, got him The Fugitive because uh, a couple of also cast is in that movie. Tommy Lee Jones. Written by J.F. Lawton, who had previously just written Pretty Woman. Uh, wow. Yeah, right? And, of course, starring the Steven Seagal. Uh, and at this point, Steven Seagal playing Casey Ryback. Uh, at this point, Steven Seagal is post. What's funny about the names of his movies is it's not so much a title. It's just like an adjective of his character, which is the same. So up until now, Seagal has been hard to kill. He's been above the law. He's been marked for death. Oh, that was later. And then he's out for justice. But right now he's under siege. Taking a shit. Yes, taking a shit with Steven Seagal. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also starring in the movie, Gary Busey, Tommy Lee Jones as the bad guys, Erica Alaniac as Jordan Tate uh, and a bunch of other people. 
Uh, but that's your main crew right there. Right. Uh, so, Ruggs, first of all, tell us what happens. Can you, can you do an Anthony Plot synopsis? Oh, my God. <laughs> can I sum up? Can you sum up. up Under Siege? It's not hard. I don't even know. Let's, let's just, I'm going to try my best, but I'm not good at this type of thing. Um, Under Siege is a movie where there is a naval, uh, I think, ship that actually has like nukes on it. And they're going to retire the ship, and it's on its like last voyage. And they're, uh, I think that the admiral is like retiring, or and they're organizing this big party on the ship. And um, this allows uh, some, I guess, some terrorists. Is, can you call them terrorists to get on there? Nefarious people to get on there because they're going to hijack this thing. And so they manage to subdue the whole crew, and. Uh, but they forget about the cook who is actually Steven Seagal and you don't want to fuck with him. Casey Ryback. And so it's uh, basically the plot ensues is this dude going to be able to stop these dudes from stealing these nukes and uh, using them to blow up uh, Hawaii, I think. Right. Honolulu. Honolulu. Yeah. They sent the missiles. And that's the movie. It's, it's Die Hard on a Boat with a, a little twist in the main character. But yes, this is one of the many Die Hard clones that uh, popped up after Die Hard. There's so out. many. Yeah, there's so many. Of them. So overall, Ruggs, you, where, you want, where do you want to start? You want to start at the beginning? Uh, this is very much in the 90s vein of 90s action movies. Uh, but I wasn't really a huge Seagal fan. For some reason, no, I never I got, wasn't either. Really? No. And there's we'll get into the reasons why, but I did find parts of this movie very entertaining. And I just but you're just like how did this guy <laughs> become a, an action movie star? Uh and he shows you sort of. What's what do you think of full, full disclosure, I only went to this movie to see Erica Eleniak's boobs. Well, this is yeah, it's one of the big And you moments. do see them in full regalia. Oh. And uh, it was worth every cent. And then I actually, and then I was like, oh, Steve Seagal's in this too. But um, yeah, it's like, I never really liked Steven Seagal's movies. Uh, they were always, he's he's a weird character and he doesn't act very well. And he kind of has the same expression all the time. The, the way that they, see, he engineers the fight so he looks good and everybody else looks like shit. And it just looks like a guy like touching a person and they go flying. Right. Smart. I like it better when it seems more visceral, like they're actually like Stallone and Drago are actually hitting each other in the Rocky movies. And you're like, feel the realism and you feel like the athleticism. So uh, with Steven Seagal, it always felt like fake, like super fake. The only thing that saves the Seagal movies is usually there's a lot of uber violence. Yeah. So there's like he's cracking bones. He's just, you know, dislocating people's shoulders. He's throwing you know, chopping them with something or they always seem to get gouged or some kind of like R rated gore is happening in the Steven Seagal movies where it's just a little extreme. And that was his signature thing. And there, you see that in this movie, there's a couple of scenes with that. Well, he does a roadhouse Dalton throat rip. It's not as good, no. but they went for it. Yes. And there are times where you're like, Oh, Oh Jesus. The thing about Steven Seagal, he's ridiculously tall and it's, he just look, and he can't run. He looks weird. Yes, when he's running. he does. This is what I didn't understand. I was like, this guy, 
He's not particularly cut. He's lumbering. He's not the best actor. He kind of mumbles his lines. What was that accent he was doing? Uh, no idea. He was doing like some kind of like Cajun or something. It went in know. and out. I'm like, what is this accent? But I'm like, hot. this is the biggest hit, like his biggest hit out of all of them. Uh, it was a commercial hit and a critical hit. But, you know, I think what saves this movie is the people around him, like the wonderfully over the top performances by Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones. Are fun to watch. Well, the the plot is is good. It's a sound plot. All right, you have they took over a ship that's got nukes in it. Yeah, but what's funny is like I'm halfway into the movie and I'm like I'm still not sure what these bad guys want. What exactly it was a disgraced CIA FBI guy William Stranix who uh, they tried to kill and he wanted revenge, so he was gonna. They were going to sell him for gonna, money. Yeah, he also has a nuke. Under, like Gary uh, Busey uh, said he wants to buy the presidency, which is how are you going to buy the presidency when everybody knows you're doing this? <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, there's some improbable writing going on. That's, I mean, there's a lot. But like, uh, yeah, they want I think money is the main factor, but it just was ridiculous. Like, now you're an international criminals. Like, how are you going to do anything with this money? Like you're going to be hunted down for the rest of your life. They're awful. If yeah. You get, if you get away with this, did you find it enjoyable at all? I had a, there's a couple of moments that I was like, I, look, okay. I watched sudden death, which was the Jean Claude die hard in a hockey th- thing. Yeah. And I watched this like in the same, I had to start and, and get three times to watch sudden death. <laughs> I kept falling asleep during it. And this one, I actually watched in one sitting, I think. So that says a lot. It's, pa- you know, can- it's paced pretty well. Like, it keeps moving for the most part. Yeah, I, there was there was times where I was, like, thinking it was taking a little long. Uh, there was a lot, there's, there's a lot of, I think that it took a long time for um, Seagal and Erica Oleniak to get together. It did. Seagal is locked in a freezer for, like, like, 15, 20 minutes of the movie, and he's just like, check out my pies. Will somebody check my paws? Only cares about he's his worried paws. about his base. Yeah, he's like, I got to make 50 gallons of base. So the beginning is fun. Like they, the fact they used an actual, the like President Bush, the actual President Bush, uh, they use him in the movie. I was like, that's crazy. That's the real president. Gary Busey instantly sets up him being an asshole. He spits in the food. And then you see him very quickly dancing in drag. That's the ugliest thing I've ever and seen. And he just looks horrid. But this whole plan, these terrorists... Sneak a Chinook helicopter full of caterers and Erica Eleniak onto a battleship without like the captain giving approval. I was like, how? How did they get all these weapons uh, on the boat off the helicopter? Well, they used the birthday as a uh, way to get this done, and they uh, the guy walks around like the, one of the one of the flunkies walks around and it shows like all like the soldiers that are in charge of like keeping an eye out like the, this playboy that she's in. And they're all like, all right, yeah, bring her in. You know, <laughs> like, look at this woman. That, okay. Yes. Yeah, sure. Do whatever you want. Erica Eleniak fresh off of just finishing her run on Baywatch and in the movie. So, and why did they bring her along at all? Which doesn't make any sense. In the movie, she's going to jump out of a cake. She is the uh, playboy playmate of 80 July, 89. She actually was Playboy Playmate like four times in the late 80s and 90s. So it's all. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah and if you Google, you know, if Anthony was here, we would have lost him Googling. <laughs> yeah, he would like, I, I, excuse me, I have to. <laughs> I, I was paying attention. What happened? <laughs> and then, the, you know, the famous uh, story is everybody's VHS tape 
uh, is degraded at the scene because she shows a lot. Clearly not afraid. Well, well, yeah, they're first of all, they were just abnormally large. Um, <laughs> this has got to be the most rewind replayed part of VHS so, tape in history. So they were like something, something to behold. Like it's not the normal boobs that you see. Um, also, yeah, she was, it, the scene is so weird because she's asleep in the cake for like, I don't know how many hours this is going on. This whole takeover. Yes. Of this is, this was my other question. And what wakes her up is that Steven Seagal pushes the cake and it magically turns on and she pops out of it like a fucking, like, like, like a pre-programmed, like, uh, like machine, like, boom, she just comes to life. Yeah, it was, I, they gave her pills to knock her out. And so she's passed out for like a large portion. And then she just wakes up and starts dancing and stripping. She doesn't know where she is with her eyes closed. I was like, what is happening? Completely empty room. Uh, yeah. And then he's like kind of mean to her. And now he's annoyed with her. And then now he, he, uh, you know, she turns into a badass, which is, there's a, actually a behind the scenes story about this. Seagal didn't want to make this movie because he did not like that the girl was just, quote, a bimbo who jumps out of a cake and then he's annoyed by her. So they do give her a little bit of agency. She gets some kills, right? At the end, she kind of gets badass. She gets one right. kill. She says she doesn't like guns in the beginning and then she ends up, like, saving his ass. Yes, as he's describing, mansplaining, like, what guns are to her. Right. Which is kind of funny. Uh, but, you know, I do enjoy, you know, another great thing about this is the location, them shooting on actual decommissioned battleships, like in the location, the tight corridors, some of that shit was cool. And him like hunting him down systematically. It is funny when he, he crosses his arms and shoots his Uzis just at nothing. Like he's not even <laughs> aiming. He's just like, they're going wherever. Well, the 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 setup. Yeah, it does add to it because. Yeah, you have these tight quarters. You're in, you're seeing things you don't normally see. Like you don't know what the inside of these ships look like. Yeah, it's it like kind of cool. Something new. Yeah, and it and it wasn't a set. Like not. I mean, a lot of it wasn't. A lot of it you could see. They're on an actual ship, but it's also funny because they're all on the fucking ship. Yes, like the bad guys and him yeah. are on the ship, and they they can't never find him. <laughs> he's just hanging out mostly. He's like making he's making weapons. They're like. Of course he's going to go where the fucking does these giant guns that shoot things, right? Where do you think he's going to be if he's going to shoot down something? He's going to be in that room and they never find him there. So like it's just weird like he's on this ship and they're on this ship and they just like barely ever cross paths until they need to. I mean, the there's a scene later like there's huge explosions in like the third act, right? But then there's a scene where like him and the girl are just it looks like they're just casually strolling on the deck of this boat. Yeah. I'm like, wait, where are the people? Should they be looking for you? They can't find him. The twist of like, it's Die Hard on a boat, but instead of you have this normal, the the aver- everyday average guy getting caught in a situation, you have a guy that's actually just good at everything, right? He can. He's a martial. Turns out he's a martial artist. He's a Navy SEAL. He's a Navy SEAL. He knows how to make bombs. He knows how to work the communications devices. He can fly a helicopter. He can disable weapon systems and hack into computers. I guess. This fucking guy can do everything. It's amazing. And he can heal like Wolverine, apparently, because oh, yeah. he uh he gets shot like or or fucked up really bad when he was he goes to the uh, submarine and tries to disable it, and some guy sees him and like shoots at him and they're, you, you they're, can see he, he climbs aboard the he rescues himself and ra- climbs aboard the ship and he's 
his back is all fucked up and they have to like wrap it up and he like looks like he's really really messed up and then two seconds later he's completely it's fine. fine they were throwing like a hook at him remember a sailing hook they're like hook him yeah hook guy. i'm like what why are you trying to hook somebody? that was kind of cool i've never <laughs> seen that before what kind of a navy trained navy seal gets spotted swimming at the surface of the water that was my other question <laughs> why did they see you if you were a navy because seal? they wrote it that way uh no. you, you could just go underneath they wouldn't have seen you he makes a bomb with a condom that's very useful. As you should. Yes, it's very useful. What do you think of the knife fights? We have a lot of knife fights. And is it proper knife fight uh, uh, position to hold the knife backwards like they do? I don't know. I, As I said, Steven Seagal's stuff is sometimes he's actually grappling with people and using his Aikido, whatever the fuck it, you call it's it. a couple of tosses. Of it looks like he's doing a couple of throws there. But it's really like a bunch of bullshit. Like none of uh, like the choreography. If he, I, I think he only cares about him looking good. So like if you look at the other guy, they're clearly just flailing about. And there's no, re- <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. And then he's just like, yeah, let me just do that. Now you're dead. And that's how Steve's the call movies work. It definitely looks. But, like, I mean, yeah. Uh, he does have some gore kills. He puts like uh, a guy into like a, a slicer. Into the bandsaw. Yes, he pulls the guy in the bandsaw. By the way, they're cutting steel beams with a bandsaw. Did you notice that? Real easily. Yeah. No problem at all. This is what was holding. It's a really strong saw. This is what was holding the boat together. They got the adamantium was uh, it? <laughs> blade Fucking on there. Bandsaw. Yeah, and he gouges. So then you have the final fight, of course, with Tommy Lee Jones. Where he gouges his eye out. Then stabs him oh, in the head yeah. and then yeah. throws him headfirst into a video console. You, you got to have a fatality at the last fight. That was a fatality. And this is after I didn't understand how they blew up the submarine. They were firing starbursts, but then they had actual rockets, remember? And they hit the submarine and then they kill. Well, they were I think they need they needed to they, they were never going to be able to aim it. So they figured, oh, let's throw out this fucking. Because they, they're going to need two shots. The first oh, shot, they're that, never going to. That gave them the calibration. So the second one. They, no, I think they did that to like throw them off and think, oh, because well, if they start the boat up and sink, then we're fucked. But if they think they're just shooting okay. flares. There was like five inch guns and 16 inch guns mentioned. And I was very confused. That's a quick look. It was, I'm, I'm trying to do uh, gymnastics <laughs> to try and make it make sense. But I think that's what they were doing. And uh I liked it when they actually finally shot that thing, that the thing exploded. The thing I like the most about the movie is that it does show you how they load the guns yeah. and how big the munitions are and all that stuff. I'm like, that's interesting because you don't see it every day. You know, like the, in, the inner workings of a ship and how, and so I found that to be like the fact that the set adds so much to the film. And um, yeah, the fact that you had this kind of diehard setup of, and the stakes were really high. Like yeah. these motherfuckers were going to get away nukes to people. Yeah, they're going to nuke selling home. them, and then, and they were going to nuke. Yeah, a big place. So then they had that war room where like all the guys were smoking cigarettes, and like all the military is like, "What the fuck?" And they're yelling at each other. Like that added a little bit to it too. There's that one guy. I love the one. With the, the commander's like, "There's a lot of trouble on that boat." Just understating everything that's going on. Yeah, yeah. But that's what that one do. guy who kind of looks like Jack Kirby. Yes, you know he's. Yes. <laughs> He's like the general. He's like, he's like very stern and like looks like always like he's like someone pissed in his cornflakes all the time. So yeah, that was a fun thing as well. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones was good. 
as the rock and roll. He was in a rock and roll band playing like a playing harmonica. The, harmonica, the bail jumpers. And then they all had guns. Yeah, no, I, dude, this, you know, his performance reminded me a little bit of Two Face that he's about to yeah, do yeah. with Batman. I saw that. I saw that. You know, and he's well. great in Fugitive and U.S. Marshal. Uh, but him just having a ball, and even Gary Busey, where he's sitting there and he's like, "Do I look like I need a psychological evaluation?" <laughs> he's addressed, but he's Gary. He's Gary Busey. He's Gary Busey is so crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, there's a couple like Seagal has maybe a couple of good one liners where she's like, you're not a cook. And he just goes, yeah, well, I also cook as he cocks his gun. <laughs> How do you feel about Seagal as an actor? So this is why, look, these this was the lower tier of these action guys, right? Like, I I, I think I, I almost respect Van Damme way more as an actor and a, an action guy. I put him above Seagal. From what I hear, he plays the same character all the time. He just doesn't seem to have a lot of range. And he does mumble his lines a little bit. Some of it, I was like, what did you just say? I feel like he's got the least amount of obstacles as far as English language. So why isn't he killing it as an actor? I don't know. But in- like you got Arnold, who he's just like, he can't, he can't play things. Like his acting ability is... He's relying on charisma. But this charisma and, uh, goes a long way. There's something about him that makes you just want to like watch every movie he's in. Well, he's got the it factor. Yeah, he, and he can convey uh, a lot of stuff without saying anything. He's good at the facial emoting. Like he's good at that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like he can make you like he, he when he's when he's sad and upset. You could tell when he's like you know he's being pens. So he's he's got that. Non-verbal acting way over Seagal. Seagal has one look on his face all the time. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme is a little bit in the middle. Like, he's got the accent problem. Yeah. He's not the greatest actor. He can't deliver the lines so great. But he does have that charisma like an Arnold does. He does have the same kind of likability. Yeah. And he's fucking cut, right? You you buy it. Like, Seagal has, like, a little gut in this movie. Like, I don't yeah, get it. I'm like, okay, I mean... You're a, a cook that's a Navy SEAL that's been out of the game. And Stallone, I think, has all the best attributes out of everyone. He yeah. he, he he can act. He's phys- physically uh, imposing and has like that kind of charisma. And he can box and he can do choreographed fights. He's not as good as Van Damme, but he's I think he's tied with Arnold for, for being able to do the shit. You know, I think maybe he's. Could Arnold do a boxing movie like Rocky? I don't know. But anyway, Steven Seagal, he's like, he's got moves to a degree, and that's about it. it you know? It's just knife fighting and shooting and a couple of. It's just a different tosses. kind of. It's a different kind of. The reason why I caught on is because it was, it was a more intense kind of uh, martial art where they were he was breaking people's bones and throwing people and. And it was kind of gory, and it, that was more extreme. Like that was like a little bit. It felt more real, I guess. Like more of an MMA type feel. Well, and I mean, uh, even the deaths in this movie are kind of like shocking. Like poor Private Nash, who was there to keep him in the freezer. Uh, they just kill. Like that one time where they're like, "We're gonna kill. We, if you step out of line, we're gonna kill you in the prison next to you." Like they were fucking. It was cold blooded. Yeah, so you got that they were pretty fucking evil. I think that the stakes unhinged. in the movie are, were were good. Yeah, it it gave it an urgency. 
So I there they had that going for it. So how do you feel about it as a film? Like where like where do you where do you put it? Like is it like a must see film from the from the nineties? Is it um is it better than the eighties movies? Do you think, or is it still like is it a step down, or or how does it compare to you to like a lot all the classics? I mean, I feel like if you had to watch one Steven Seagal movie to get him, this would be the one. And honestly, it's not. It, I don't think it's going to go far in the tournament, but it it has all the elements we love. But I, I was just. I'll tell you this. I think the fact that this is a movie with a budget, a movie that's shot on a location that's actually real, yeah. a movie that has like real kind of uh, digestible stakes, like people we can recognize. Okay, nukes are bad, and, and taking the nukes and giving them to bad guys or using them, that's bad. So all of these kind of real world things and all these things create the illusion of a actual competent film. And so now this is probably the most competent Steven Seagal movie, like the most well done. Okay. All right. So he's along for the ride. He's doing his job. He's not doing it poorly. He's carrying like what he has to carry. And so it it really works out well for him. And plus you got Erica Olaniak in there who's, you know, bringing people into the theater like myself, oh, yeah. and whatever. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things that help elevate this movie beyond a, a typical Seagal film. Uh, is it his best movie fight wise? I don't know. I think there's other movies where he kicks more ass and he seems to fit the character in the tone a little bit better, but they're not better movies. Like they're all just shitty B movies. You know what I'm saying? So this is actually a theater worthy movie. So I mean, um, yes, it does. It does have it has great ex- for its time. Yeah, great explosions. The kind of battleship porn is kind of like you know in Top Gun where they show you all the jets and everything. It's very cool. So I did appreciate the setting. I, I you know I, the parts of it I did have a lot of fun. I think the back half it is it maybe takes a little bit to get started, but yeah, it, it kind of slow in the beginning. Yeah, and then it just kind of ends. Does he get reinstated? Because he's back in costume at the very end, and they're at the real Pearl Harbor. Yeah, they have a nice to. Touch. They have, yeah, they have to. Uh, they have to give him like a pass, I guess. He saved fucking all of Honolulu. So, but huge at the time and huge on VHS because of Erica Olenek. I probably. feel like. I feel like this isn't going to go super far in the tournament. That's my my feeling. I feel like I've seen a lot more entertaining movies that were worse, like. <laughs> What would you rather watch, this or Showdown? See, I was thinking about that, and Showdown has just, you know, pound for pound more, like, the action keeps coming. I just feel like it's chock full of more. I would rather watch Showdown, as strange as that sounds. Uh, uh, yeah, I think there's Showdown no question Tokyo, that yeah. Under Siege is a better made film. It is. It's a better written film. But it's, yeah. It's a better executed <laughs> film. It's got better actors in it, you yeah. know? It's got all of those things that make a better film, but is is it as fun? That's the question. But this movie is fun with Tommy Lee Jones, who I believe he's on screen about as much as Seagal is. Like, yeah. if you think about screen time, which that's also funny. I feel like this is like uh, a way to prop up Seagal. This movie, it's a they're they're giving him everything. Yeah, they they're making it a, a, a it's a softball. They're lining it up for him to succeed and be badass. And I think he just has to just go through the motions. And I mean, I think it succeeds on that end, and that's probably why it was a big hit for him. Because, like you said, it's it's digestible. It's 
Got these. Like you could put, could you? You could put Arnold in this movie. It'd be a huge hit. Oh my god, right? that would be a wild movie. He wouldn't even fit in those fucking corridors. <laughs> no, so huge. I mean, like Seagal is the same height as Arnold, maybe taller, but like yeah, uh, Arnold is wider. Well, now Seagal's much wider. Well, yeah. Let's not even talk about <laughs> what the fucking guy is up to today. Uh, but the movie was nominated for two Oscars. Did you know that? Best sound and best sound editing. It did not win. Well, either one of these. And then there was a sequel with Steven Seagal, Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. Is that good? I don't know. The less about that, the better, from what I can tell. It's on a train, I think. Yeah, co-written by a young Matt Reeves, actually. Did you know that? Hmm. Yeah. 1995, he tried, and uh, and I think it makes $100 but doesn't do as well as uh, this movie. So, all right. Let's rate it, Ruggs. What would you give this movie overall? I'm going to say... A six. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Six, six and a half, maybe even. Uh, yeah, because like a five is we, what we call a movie. Yeah. Like it, it's a successful film. It's, it works as a movie. Uh, this is uh, entertaining. It's got boobs. Uh, it's got explosions. It's got fight. It's got shootouts. Yeah, it's got all it's got the cool shootouts. Shit. It's got Tommy Lee. It's got good actors that are doing that are bringing something to the table. Yeah. Having fun. So, yeah, it's a six. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that saves this movie is that it's a real boat and Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey are just being fucking batshit crazy. That's right. fun to watch. And then occasionally Seagal fucking somebody up. But you're like, man, look at him. Oh, he's so lumbering. <laughs> <laughs> How is he doing? Getting any of this. All right. Good stuff. Let's do some news from the nation rugs. <laughs> It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Uh, just a couple of things. Jeff Chapman uh, left Whoa. left a comment. Chapman. Jeff Chapman. He said, just realized none of the Avengers or Marvel superheroes came to T'Challa's funeral. What the fuck? The fuck? Suspicious. Well, she did mention it was like a closed Wakandan funeral for immediate friends and family. But that thought did occur to me later. I was like, when they want, they all knew him. They were all very yeah, close. Wakanda's always like, yeah, get the fuck away from us. They don't like people. That's true. Back. They're, you know, they're isolationists for a reason. That's right. Uh, but that movie's on track for making a lot of money. I think it's crossed four hundred million or something. So, Ooh. we'll see what Avatar will it disrupt it. Uh, and then the other thing I have from our Facebook group, Jock and Nerd Nation, Rick Martinez shared a link with this caption: "Original Mutant Turtle Returns." Uh, they're doing a, a Gamera Rebirth show for Netflix. Rugs. Yeah, it's going to be animated. I believe. Oh, it's not live action. It's animated. I think it might be in a CG animation show. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's what the talk was for a while. So um, I'm down for that. Like, I'm a little upset they're not going balls to the wall and just, like, trying to do, like, a Godzilla that, that will be on Netflix. You know, they can... Gamera's, like, a good rival for Godzilla. Absolutely. Like, like they... He, those uh, high sci films that came out or Heisei films, however you say yes, it. Yes, that's what got me. Anthony made me watch that trilogy, right, in the 90s. So well done. Those were great. And this camera is a crazy fucking turtle 
with fucking that that can fly. Sometimes his right. legs are legs. Sometimes they're jet engines. Well, like unlike Godzilla, He's Gamera great, is though. designed to save the world from shit. So he that's his whole being is that he protects the earth. So it's kind of a little different than Godzilla. Well, they've made Godzilla into protector of the earth, but that's not what he was initially. Uh, I think uh, it's kind of interesting that Gamera will just do anything it takes uh, to stop whatever's happening. And he's kind of a different beast altogether. And he's kind of like a little scarier than Godzilla. Yeah, I thought he was badass. He's got, you know, there's a lot of personality they give him in that trilogy. And like the two, the two big tusks on the side is great look. Uh, but that him making me watch that trilogy, I was like, I love Gamera now. I'm down for something on Netflix. They can talk to Gamera. That's right. They have the little jewel that they they wear. It's like a little totem, and whoever wears it, a casket can feel what Gamera feels, and I think it reciprocates. So they can actually like understand what he's doing and not have a conversation, but kind of like feel what they feel. So it that it gives you a connection to to the character as well. And um they just have a a tighter hold on those three stories like ah. they did that thing they did that, that trilogy and they're all linked together and they all work. Um and you should check those out if you haven't seen them. Watch those before this comes out and then you're going to be hopefully this will be if this is anywhere near close to those movies. You're going to be in for. I really enjoyed them. They're called uh, the first one's Camera, the Guardian of the Universe, and then Camera Two, Attack of Legion. I remember Legion, and then Camera Three, Revenge of Edis. Iris. Yeah, they're all great. Uh, this I like. I like them all. I did like them all. The second one was great, and then I even thought the third one was great. I was really glad I watched them. But we're getting more on Netflix. Great, wonderful. Let's finish up. What are we watching? Rugs, you watch anything fun this week? I watched No Time to Die. Oh, you did finally get a Bond movie in, did you? Yeah, I did. And it was good. Yeah? It was good. It wasn't, like, amazing, but it was good. It was an action film, uh, very well done, very well directed. Uh, I don't know about written well, but uh, performed well, and uh, Daniel Craig still looks okay. I mean, you could tell he's aging, but he's still, like, kicking ass and doing all kinds of cool shit and being resourceful. Uh, I really like uh, his run on James Bond. And I think they close him out at the end. Like he's retired. Yeah, I think he's done. They, yeah. They rope him back in and there's some, some really fun scenes in this. Um, the writing's a little bit weird, but other than that, I, I really enjoyed uh, being able to watch an action movie. And I think if you have Amazon, you should check it out. Oh, the Fleabag, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote on this. Is she in the movie? No idea. Oh, she's one of the writers. Interesting. Yeah, the writing wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, it's like you know, like uh, the the plot. Like it's so. I hate when they do this, but like it's so bad that so James Bond is dating the girl or getting married to the spoilers. girl. Spoiler alert! I need spoilers. Whose father is Blofeld? Oh, so which is his like main bad guy. Yeah, he's that's his arch nemesis. He's marrying his. Yeah, like who wrote that? That's stupid. Why would he even you know? And then they and then it's it, it's just so ham fisted. Whoever wrote this movie is is terrible. It looks like but, it had a bunch of writers, which may be part of the problem. But um, nonetheless the personality and uh, 
you know, the mystique of James Bond still carries something and it is enjoyable. Where does uh where does Daniel Craig rank in the James Bonds for you? Um I feel like it's the one that I like it's it's Pierce Brosnan and him are my favorites. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Roger Moore I don't like <laughs> that much. Uh but his Sean Connery, Connery is, is, a, is a legend, but I feel like not so con- like his movies. I don't feel con- they kept him as a man of mysteries too much. Sean Connery. Yeah. yeah. And you just, you know, he, he, it wasn't as interesting of a character. He just had charisma. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. He had, like you don't get into the character or know anything about. He's the got a swagger. That, uh, yeah, it's just all have. about how he just carries yeah. himself and how yeah. he's so smooth. I think that the Daniel Craig movies were written to be a little bit more cohesive. So I think you get a little bit more character there. But uh, as far as uh, charisma, Sean Connery's he's got. He's See, I him. grew up with like my dad was in James Bond movies. And by the time I remember going to the theater and watching movies, it was Roger Moore. So like I grew up with the Roger Moore, James Bonds. He's like the Adam West. He of kind of is. That way you can think about it. He's like your old friendly uncle, James Bond. But that was like when I think of James Bond, I think of Roger Moore right away. And then I caught up on the Sean Connery. Pierce Brosnan did a good job. I ha- actually haven't watched any of these Daniel Craig movies. So there, I think they're the look. He fucking he's ripped. He fucking can handle himself in a fight. Yeah, and he 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 looks good when he's doing stuff. He kind of like. He's got that steel face where he's just like doesn't emote. He doesn't ever show that anything's bothering him. He's not the best looking dude. All right. I mean, Pierce Brosnan is the most handsome of all the. We got Tim Dalton also and George Lazenby. Let's not forget Timothy Dalton. I think he had one. Uh, he was he was yeah, he's like the forgotten Bond, yeah. but like he wasn't too bad either. Um, but I feel like yeah, Connery, Brosnan, and uh, and Craig are. Or top three, right? All right, now. that's a good. That's a good ranking. If you haven't watched Casino Royale, you're, you're missing out. It's great. Fuck, I gotta go back. I might have seen that one. I don't remember. I'm gonna have to go back. And They're remember. all. I mean, the second one's not the greatest, but then the last, the last two were really good. Actually, the. They're all kind. They're all badly written, but they're all enjoyable to watch in a lot of ways. So. Well, it's like you just got to nail that kind of James Bond formula, right? And uh, just make it good. Yeah. I watched randomly. There was a movie on Amazon called 13 lives. Have you heard of this? No, it is the film about the, uh, the, in Thailand where the soccer team, the 13 boys went into the cave and then it rained and they got flooded. Oh yeah. 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 And they were trapped in there for a long time and it's their rescue. And I've seen a document, the documentary, there's a net geo documentary on, on Apple TV. And well, look, spoilers, spoilers. You don't know the story, you know, they rescued all 13 of them. But this movie, my God, it's long, but it is harrowing. The the how they find them is harrowing. Just the underwater scenes of these divers in these cramped tunnels for hours. Like these are like five, six, seven hour dives. You're just swimming through fucking tunnels. Uh, it stars Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen, who are both. Well, how do they get good. them out? Okay, this is the craziest thing. I don't want to spoil it, but it's a new story. The idea to get because it took them. Like 15 days to even fucking find them. They tried to take one person out and he freaked out. Their idea to get him out was they sedated each boy 
one by one and carried them out like packages. And the guy's like, it's just like delivering a package. Don't worry. And they had to like top off the anesthetic halfway through. So they had to sedate him for like five hours and swim back and forth one boy at a time. It took him like four days. It's the, the story is wild and the way they shot it is amazing. Harrowing story. But like, that's a crazy idea. It was the only th- it would have been, it's the only way they were going to get him out. There's honestly, it was great. It was a great, crazy idea they went with. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I believe right after that. How did they get down there? They, so it, it's like a, it was like a uh, tourist, like open to the public tunnel that you could go in and there's like railings and paths and they went in like two, two and a half kilometers. And then it started raining for 10 days and the fucking thing filled up and they were just stuck there in like a little air pocket where there's there's little beaches along the way, little sections. They show you the map and you're like, holy. So fuck. they couldn't like they, they couldn't like figure out uh, pump the water out or anything no like because and they explain in the movie the mountain that's above the cave has holes in it and most of the water is downfall rain off uh runoff from the top of the mountain right. going in so even if they pump the water out it just kept coming in so uh yeah so they couldn't they couldn't stop the water from the top going in they were it? they were trying to plug up the holes but there's like there was like hundreds of holes all over this fucking mountain uh, and it was an international effort, like these special specialist divers who are who have done this and have done these long ass dives. It's really good. It's a it's a good crazy story. Good, movie. unbelievable. Uh, yeah. So that's on Amazon. Check it out. Uh, uh, what else? Anything else? Did I watch it? I mean, uh, I can only I make a recommendation um, to watch Space Ice. Oh yes, which is not a movie. It's a uh, YouTube channel. Uh, this dude loves Jean Claude Van Damme and does uh, really funny movie reviews. And uh, uh, I don't know. I just thought it, this dude's voice is like a scream. Like he talks very stilted, but the shit that he says and how he edits the movies together, the, the these clips are, are hilarious. Space so Ice would, on YouTube. Yeah. Wait. What about Andor? You caught up on Andor? The finale is next week. We are at the peak. I did ultimate. catch up on Andor. Yes, I did. And uh, we'll try to keep it spoiler free. What'd you think? It was kind of a sad episode, but a good setup for this finale. Um, remind me what happens. Kind of just really quickly. I know that. Um. Uh. Yeah. Spoilers. Something happens. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Something happens, and something happens that in when Andor's periphery. That they're gonna capitalize and, and to see if uh, that brings them out of hiding. Correct, but they don't know that Andor is kind of incapacitated—not incapacitated, but in in the middle of something. He's kind of like uh, he's, he's got his own shit that's going on. He doesn't even—I I don't think that they're they're gonna be waiting a while for him to come back if he does indeed do that. So, yeah, Anthony's not here, but I—I you know, I know he's not gonna listen to this. But I've been dying to talk about fucking. All of it, the prison break, the the, the aftermath. Well, we got one more. We got one more episode yeah. left, so let's just talk about it all when it's over. When we okay, we're gonna want to talk about it again. I don't even know if week. he's gonna be able. He's gonna catch up to this thing by next week, but we will discuss regardless. Also, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is this week on Friday, right. so we'll watch that and uh, we'll talk about that next week. Hmm. But Andor's still killing it. All right, that's it for this week, uh, listener rugs. Where can the listener find you online? 
uh, while Twitter still exists, I will be on there at really rugby. You haven't opened a Mastodon yet? What happened? No. What's a Mastodon? That's like the new thing where like you make your own server. Everybody's going over to Mastodon as Twitter implodes, which is kind of fun to watch. It's been entertaining. I, I think that uh, I think Twitter should be over because it's a fucking shitty place and there's shitty people and the, the way that it's set up is shitty and Elon's not improving it. No, he's making it shittier a little bit. He's making it even shittier, which I didn't think was possible. Right? I thought there was no way that it could be shittier and it is um, fun to watch, though. But, you know, it's his company. He can do whatever the fuck he wants with it. And I hope that it, I hope that it implodes because now we got to get TikTok next. Let's get rid <laughs> oh, of that. Boy, what are the kids going to do? They're going to lose their mind. Oh, the, yeah, maybe like actually, you know, do things like speak to people. How are the influencers going to make a living? I feel bad for them. Maybe they'll dance at a club instead of in their room to their phone. But then everybody. Maybe they'll do yeah, that. And everybody can do the same dance because they all know the same dance. So. It'll be great. Anyways, you can also follow us on Twitter at Jock Nerdcast before it goes down. All that stuff you can find in the show notes. Make sure you share the show, listener. It's the most important thing you can do for us. Thank you for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name is... <laughs> he is My name is Rugboy. Uh, he is not the jock. I don't know what he is. Uh, I'm not a jock at all. I have jock itch. That's about it. All right. We'll peep you next time. Put some snack on. Ah. Fuck that show. I put some Lotrimin on it. I was going to say Gyna Lotrimin. I really don't give a shit. Talking nerd. You're still here? You're still here? It's over. Go home! Go! Go! Go home! It's over! Get out of here! Go home! Alright? Leave! Leave! I'm calling the cops! Get out of here! Get out! The ending of Ferris Wheel wasn't that long a thing, but uh, go! Go! Get the fuck out! Uh, he didn't say that either, but that's me ad-libbing. Okay, just go, 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 go.